Justin, leave this tab open once you leave the call, just because you're, there's a local copy of your recording that's going to upload. Sweet. Also lets us spy on everything you do online and watch you and all your browser history. You're going to literally watch me put chicken color sandwich in about 10 minutes. Some kind of side love. Yeah, I put chicken parm in the show notes. Hey, this is Rob Simone. Summer Friday is an ethos, a feeling, a chemical fit. It's also what we decided to name our marketing agency. Great training, great process. That's what's key in bringing these cultures to life, worrying about the right stuff, right? This episode, we're diving into the second part of our interview with Justin Rosenberg, my lifelong friend and the founder of an amazing brand, Honey Grow, a fast, casual restaurant concept that's growing incredibly fast with almost 40 locations in America. There's really nothing better, like genuinely, when you find someone who's better than you at something and you're like, hey, like, go for it. And they just take it to the next level. We only scratched the surface in part one, and we're hoping you will enjoy the conversation in this episode as much as I enjoyed laying it down. Have fun. Happy Friday. So Dan, when Justin opened his first one, two, three honey grows, there was a menu item called the Simone salad. Really? Yes. Yes. Uh, Right on the board. It was right up there. There's pictures of this. It actually existed. Did you come up with this? No, no, but I took the only quasi-Italian dish on the menu and I put my name on it, which made sense to me. He gave me an option. But then I'm just, and I'm wondering if you could tell America why it is that you decided to remove (laughs) the Simone salad from the menu. You got to bring it back. Well, it wasn't selling. No, I'm sorry. Um, Hmm. Truth be told, we were looking to ramp up this. I don't know, man. It's just, it's gone, right? (laughs) It was a good salad. It was a good salad. I give him a hard time about this all the time. You got to understand, I'm like George Costanza. It's been like my own, I've just dreamed of having something named after me at a restaurant just once, (laughs) just once. And they took it away from me, man. We could do a limited drop. We did. It was uh, stir fries were easily named. It was like name of the sauce was the logic that I had. Whereas the salads, I'm like Rob. What salad do you want to name? You know, Rob picked this really good Caesar salad, and then our friend John picked this chicken cutlet salad. And the chicken cutlet salad was delicious, but the problem was our staff would eat it, and so the yield was like forty percent, where it should have been like seventy percent or something. So we thought like the staff would fucking. <laughs> cook off the cutlass. They were so delicious. I'd walk in at like 9.30 at night just checking in on the first spot and there would be people in the back eating cutlets. I'm like, you know, this stuff. I, I fired somebody on the line, literally. She put her hands like into the six pan, like in front of, like no customers were in there, but like in the line and just took a handful and just shoved her mouth. It's like she's possessed. And I'm just like, why would you do that? She's like, it's just so good. I'm like, you can't work here. That's it, and you know you can't. You it's too delicious. You had to remove it. It was too. It was dangerous. This this item needs to go back on the menu. It was problematic. It was just like we just buttermilk and pecorino and the cutlet. I mean, fried it in the back. It was fucking good, but it was uh, causing problems. So <laughs> I really love going to restaurants where the hospitality is great. The food's really good. I was on a panel in uh, Brooklyn couple days ago um, with our noodle guys and one of the people there was Ivan Orkin who's Ivan Robin legendary human first um, 
white Jewish dude to open up a ramen shop in Japan. And it was like an astronomical success. I mean, just really, really interesting guy. And he nailed it. He was like, look, if the food's really great and the service sucks, you're not going to go back, right? Like, like you're just not going to go back. But if the food is pretty good and the service is incredible, you're going to come back. And I think that's great. Like, we're not a Michelin star concept. It's not what we do. And I really, I think for me lately, I've really been pushing home the idea of great hospitality. There's an article today in the Wall Street Journal talking about, you know, retail is kind of a mess. You know, people are like locking things up left and right. Like that, that customer service experience is really going away. People are hiring less people. And going back to my industry, like there's a lot of automation that's happening. Some good, some bad. Um, but the truth is like you need a great team of humans to kick ass and have great service over and over and over again. And it's really hard. So for me, I get really excited when I see that happening blended with a great product. So great service, great product, great concept. A few of those that are out there it makes me really excited. How on earth do you actually make that happen at a concept like yours with 30 something restaurants? It's top down. Like everybody has to care. And when I say top down, I mean, not me. Yes, me, of course. Like, like I'm reiterating this, but like general manager in the four walls of the restaurant has to be the role model and make sure that they're building, as we say, teams of top performers who are empowered to achieve our standards. So for example, the, rest, the food's got to be really good and um, the order needs to be accurate, which is a really big challenge in our space because you're relying on folks to read tickets over and over and over again. You're going to forget something. And it's hard. I mean, we have systems and processes, but something's going to happen here. It's like manufacturing. So great training, great process. That's what's key in bringing these cultures to life, worrying about the right stuff, right? Finding great GMs who could do all that is really the key to success for us. And look, I, I've walked in some of our restaurants at night. No one's expecting me in there. And it's been bad. And so why? It's like you don't have a good GM, a little Jockoism, great book, Dichotomy uh, of Leadership, which is one of my favorites. There's no bad teams, there's only bad leaders. And I, I, it's so true because if you have a bad team and you have a good leader, well, the, either the leader can make that team great or they remove the low-performing people. And that's key. So in that situation, we had to make some changes at the top, and we did. Now the restaurant's good. Uh, yesterday, I was in one of our restaurants. We opened in Langhorn by Sesame Place. And I walked in, greeted by an ambassador. The restaurant was clean. They did not expect me to come in. And I had an awesome experience. So that, for me, gets me really excited and happy. Yeah. It's always blown me away too, that with everything that you have going on, you routinely are reading individual customer feedback and comments. I get them all. <laughs> so many years into this concept and you'll still be talking to me about some feedback that one person left about one of your restaurants and how you're addressing that, whether or not it's totally legitimate or ridiculous like spam feedback. I always thought that was pretty pretty unbelievable attention to detail for, for someone who's doing as much as you're doing. Well, I appreciate that. As we scale, you know, with 36 restaurants, it's harder because I, you know, I'm looking at lunchtime today and we have a couple restaurants we're having some issues. So I've got to dive into that. But I mean, I'm not going to be the guy to fix it. I just want to understand what's going on and then make sure my team's aware of it so they can really get after it. Mm -hmm. um, but I like to know what's going on as much as possible. Well, you're, but you're also setting a tone to your point. Like you're setting a tone for top down attention to detail. Like if the team knows that you're looking at that, even sometimes they, a know that they can't coast, but they B know that 
that you care about that and that it's a priority. So they have to care about that for them to do their job adequately. It's, it sets a tone. Yeah. It's, and it's leadership capital, right? Like, you know, you only have so much of that. So you lead your team and you don't want to blow it every day. So like, there's some complaints that I won't say anything, but there's, there's some that are just so ridiculous. And especially if you see a trend in a restaurant, I, I dive in like, Hey guys, what's going on? Like, what's the issue here? I'll go in the restaurant, check it out. Um, you know, every morning I, I look at two things early on. It's, I look at, we have a program that pretty much aggregates all of the Google and Yelp reviews. So I review that first and then the sales report gets generated. Like a, I guess a couple hours later, I look at our sales, like what's the trend, what's the comp. And that's pretty much how I start my day. So good days, you know, good reviews, sometimes slow bad ones. Like, all right, what's going on here? Are we understaffed? Um, you know, is the manager away, but didn't train their team? What could have happened, right? So you need, like understanding that is key. So then you could scale it. As we say here, you want to nail it and scale it. And I, I will say, I am really fortunate. I have an amazing group of people I get to work with every day, like on my team, who report directly to me and some folks who don't. They're still working their asses off here. A lot of people here are just doing an unbelievable job. So like it sounds so cliche, but it's true. Like I've had this is a great team I have today. I've had some bad teams too. Like when we went through our top patch, you know, it wasn't the right fit of people and it really created some issues. So you know, that's that's key to success. This is a little bit selfish of a summer Friday question, but um, it's a question nonetheless. Since the since the very beginning of your journey, I've noticed and again, you love what you're doing. And so this is, this goes hand in hand with that, but you've had incredible attachment and, um, attention to detail with your brand and the brand's been very important. And I have a lot of respect for that. And in the industry that you're in, it, it's everything for you guys, right? Because people come to associate that with something more so than in other industries. And so You've given the brand a lot of stewardship, and I see why that's important. But at this stage, at, at the stage that you're at in your growth, what does marketing strategy really look like for you? Um, again, Summer Friday, we don't work with a lot of hospitality brands. We don't work with many food brands. So it's not our space, and I'll say that right from the get-go. But I've always met with your team a couple times, and I've, I've talked to you about it, and I just, I'm very interested in like what successful marketing looks like for a brand like yours moving forward. Yeah. So Amy, our head of marketing, right? I think you spoke to in the past, did a really interesting survey. With, you know, I think it was a, maybe 3000 people respond to this. And we found out the number one way people find out about honey grow is in social media, which, which everyone maybe thinks is the way you find out about us. Mm -hmm. um, it's really people discovering us through, driving past the restaurants. Hmm. And so making sure you have a lot of visibility and having the right real estate in our world is really key. Um, word of mouth is still so important. So making sure that you are executing and exceeding guest expectations is key. When they discover you, they're going to Google you. If you have a bad Yelp score, they're not going to come in. And then, then there's digital marketing, which is your world. And Really, I mean, making sure the social content's good. I don't think we've really nailed it yet, to be honest with you. We're, we're experimenting with some stuff, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's okay. Yeah. We don't want to be like everybody else. There, there's ways to, I mean, really, we want you to look at the stir fry and want to eat it. It's craveable, beautiful, it's delicious. We're trying to get some, some stuff in the works on that. And then appropriately placing it, right? So we're working with a visual advertising agency that helps us place our stuff in front of people who are like-minded consumers who may not follow Honey Grow or similar demographics. Hey, they go to this gym, they go to this, da-da-da. 
which is third-party information, and they'll say these are people who are potential customers. Um, so we want to make sure that we can get in front of them, so they'll get excited about Honey Grow. You know, I think all those things work together. Everything really, everything matters at the end of the day. Everything matters, and the second you put your foot off the pedal, or the gas, and you're, you're you know getting relaxed, that's it. And you know we don't have that luxury. You can't get relaxed. You could be, I think, quoting Michael Dell, which is also a really great book. You can be like pleasant but not satisfied. I think was what he said, which is really true. Like you want to be feeling good, mm-hmm. but don't be satisfied. You want to stay hungry. So just getting after it. Like just worrying about the right shit. You know me for God knows how many years now. Almost thirty years. I was thinking about this. We know each other for almost thirty years now. It's like twenty-seven, and you know, it's just I'm a detail-oriented person. I definitely have OCD. <laughs> like there's really nothing better. Like genuinely, when you find someone who's better than you at something, and you're like, hey, like go for it. And they just take it to the next level and you get to manage and coach and, and kind of just say, Hey, give your guidance as necessary, but empowering to people is a really cool, really cool thing. I think back to the, the first company that I did and how much I didn't know. I think like that's probably lesson number three in the learning curve is, is the idea of like delegating, but just being okay with empowering smart, talented people on your team versus this overwhelming feeling that you have in the early days and beyond where you have to oversee everything for it to go really well. And of course, yeah, look, when you're launching a brand and when you're launching a concept and when you're accountable to early stage investors and all of these things, like you feel compelled to have your arms around all of that, you know, to make sure that you're in the know and whatever, but a scalable business is, is obviously only built if you're building it in such a way where you're successful at not knowing, um, to some extent. Yeah, I think that's well said. You're not the same leader as you were when you when you started Hiccup. Like you just evolve over time. And I've, I'm sure you've seen this too in your industry. Like I've seen a lot of people not be able to evolve who are founders. And those are the companies that either don't work out or yeah. it stagnates. So that evolution is so important. Plateaus, yeah. Yeah, and I, I refuse to have that happen to me. And it's like, all right, well, what can I do to get better? And letting go has been key. But knowing when to soup in and soup out and keeping your eyes and being in, in the know is, is key. You gotta, you gotta be around. So what's the roadmap from here then? So you're you 13 since 13 new since 2020, you sort of recracked open the success um, case. You're, you sort of figured out what that sauce is. The world is a different place post pandemic. Where's this going moving forward? Yeah. I mean, we're, we've opened five this year hoping for about four more this year. So we should end this year at about 40 locations. Wow. And then really kind of a 30-ish percent growth rate going forward, right? So, I mean, that, it's a manageable, sustainable, and aggressive growth rate that we can get after. And I want to make sure my team is appropriately taken care of, right? There's an employee pool, options pool, which they can do very well. And I'm really excited for them too. So I think that that is kind of the game plan. And then continue to grow. I'm looking to do this long-term, build this company up to where I know it could be. That's kind of the game. Super cool, man. Awesome. You're doing it. Justin, thank you. Uh, This was fun. We tried to keep it fun. That was great. My pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in. There's so much more to come. Take a moment to subscribe if you haven't already and send us a message at say at heysummerfriday.com. We'd love to hear from you.